What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop. On Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and uh, a young man who uh, most likely has had FMF on a number of motorcycles over the years. He's currently uh, filling in with the Rockstar Energy Drink Husqvarna team. He also races a little bit of GNCC as well, and at one point raced a Kawasaki slash Suzuki for the WBR Suzuki team, wearing uh, head-to-toe in Troy Lee gear. Goes by the name of Ryan Sipes. Ryan, how's it going? It's going, man. You're uh, you're bringing up history right there. Oh heck yeah! Between you racing uh, uh, Loretta's one weekend and then the following weekend riding that exact same bike at a Canadian national and then ending up on your head, unfortunately, um, and then uh, and and racing those god awful uh, BWR Suzukis. Uh, yeah, you, you've 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 been everywhere, man. Yeah, no, it's been been a fun career, man. I've done a little bit of everything, so. It's good that that uh yeah that that sand race the one you said after Loretta's that still like haunts me. I was gonna win that championship and then yeah I didn't because I landed on my head and somebody put me in the trees too. I was really mad about that. But who was that? I think it was a, oh I don't know I think somebody was, Yamaha. Yamaha, I, uh, I, I've watched it recently. I'll see if I can remember. I'll, I'll, I'll dig it back up. It's two thousand and three. Uh, is it Deschambeau? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, three Deschambeau. I'll have to, to, to look that up. And and while you're on your drive here, I'll uh, rekindle your memory. I, I can't remember for offhand exactly who it is. Could have been Lays- Lena's Lansky or someone along those lines. But um, either way, um, and also before we jump into uh, how this last weekend went for you uh, as you made your triumphant return to pro racing on a four-stroke, um, Racing the, the the four strokes back in '04 or maybe that was '05 with the the, the WBR team, uh, you guys had a I got a team mentor by the name of David Bailey. I think uh, he was also re- uh, helping Richie Owens that year. Uh, what was that like? That was awesome, man. We met David at uh, he put on a riding school in Kentucky, and we met him, and uh, he like offered to really help us out 
Um, and we, you know, got to talk to him on the phone. He'd come out and hung out and helped us a bunch. And then when I was turning pro, he, uh, he helped me get that ride on the Suzuki team. And, uh, having him was, I mean, he's one of the main reasons I was able to be halfway decent my first year, you know, coming from, uh, the amateurs where I was good, but I wasn't, you know, like a standout or anything. And I came in and was put in some top three results, you know, the first year. So he was a big part of that. It was, he's like the, one of the smartest dudes I know when you, you know, talk about dirt bike, you know, how to ride one and, and technique and all that stuff. So it was definitely a huge blessing to have him there. For sure. It's still a well of knowledge. I'm uh, still working on trying to get that guy on the podcast. Uh, lately seems to be uh, um, like not not to uh, kind of like uh, bring in some sad news, but every time I talk to David, he seems a little bit down on his luck lately. Maybe if you want to reach out to that guy, he's uh, he's a champion in the sport, and uh, like a lot of the champions in the sport, especially the yesteryear, uh, kind of get forgotten a little bit as far as uh, when it comes to talking about uh, new stuff coming along with uh, like with uh, different races and whatnot. So may- maybe it'd be if you are li- if anyone's listening and they got David uh, David's contact information, drop that guy. Guy drop that guy a line. Tell him he's awesome, and uh, yeah, he's obviously uh, responsible for uh, uh, a lot of your speed on a motorcycle. Which literally, if you could, if anyone has said anything about Ryan Sipes, is that you are fast. You have always had absolutely <laughs> unbelievable race winning speed for uh for as long as you've raced as a professional um like the the lap times have never not been there uh maybe not the results that uh that all the championships and and whatnot uh um uh, would boast but uh i, I think there's uh, through the years uh, like you've anyone who's won a championship at some point they've had to battle with you well thanks uh, <laughs> yeah I don't know why that is. I've always been pretty fast or been able to go about as fast as anybody, but uh, consistency never was my specialty. And staying uh, staying on the bike and not being injured was my specialty. So a lot of things. But, uh, you know, if I had to do it over again, I'd probably still go just as fast. Hopefully I wouldn't crash as much, but I don't know. It's been a decent career. So not that it's over, you know, but uh, yeah. but I like going fast. And, I want to keep trying to go fast, you know, try to stay on the bike. Yes, sir, and uh, even dating back to uh, your days with Yamaha, you're the the last uh, professional rider to win a Supercross in Seattle uh, on a uh, a carbureted motorcycle. Of course, that was when uh, Yamaha's bike was a, a little bit dated compared to the rest of the car, uh, the fuel injected bikes. But you were able to snap a win away from the the EFI bikes in the in that particular season. And then Vegas, I can't for the life of me remember what uh, brand of gear you guys were wearing, but that year that stuff was uh. Lee. It was awful, Brian. <laughs> I think I'll pull, try brand. and put up a picture in the description of the, when, when I post the podcast, but that stuff, horrible. And I actually saw a guy wearing it, proudly, I might no add, way. at the Oakland Supercross this last year, just walking around. I sent you the picture of it. That thing, like, it was a Ryan Sipes oh, signed yeah. by you uh, jersey, and he was about uh, as, as happy as could be terrible. walking around with that thing. But, and uh, I told those guys, I'm like, I'm not wearing this. So this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. What are you guys? They're like, no, it'll get a bunch of attention. And I'm like, dude, that's not the attention you want. Like, it's awful. Yeah. We had to wear it. So, I, 
still, I'm looking at the picture right now. I still can't tell what brand of gear it is. Um, but either it, way, yeah. I don't want to name names. But it had yeah, it, it, it had the like Vegas cityscape on the back. Uh, blue, yellow. It, like, it it had a lot of things going on. I'll I'll, I'll post a picture of this thing uh, after the podcast is out. But uh, Ryan, this last weekend, uh, back on a four stroke, racing for Husky, uh, a rock star Husky. Um, I, I I made a, some bold claims on Instagram that you were calling for Moto wins, and of course you were probably <laughs> uh, sweating after that because that had nothing to do with you and all to do with me. I uh, just wanted to stir the pot. But uh, you you were true to your uh, to your word when you were texting back and forth. You could probably say you could buy at least one really good start, and uh, you were able to get that. Yeah, yeah, man, I was pumped at my at least my reaction time as it gone away. Nope, and the bike was incredible. Um, I was riding Osborne's stuck Osborne's engine, and I forgot how fast the factory 250 was. Man, it uh, it was it surprised me. Uh, it was as fast as my stock 350, like probably a little faster. So. That was cool. It, it took me a while to get going, but yeah, my starts were, were money. And uh, I was telling somebody the second moto I started between uh, Justin Cooper and Alex Martin, like they're pretty good starters, you know, and they're not old like me, and they're not, you know, they're probably 150 pounds or less. And yeah, I ate them up. <laughs> I killed them. So I was pumped on that. Uh, and then, yeah, first moto was kind of rough, like just. It took me a while to get going. It's been a while since I rode a track that gnarly and and on a 250F, you know, like that. Uh, and then that pace, you know, in all that rut, fastness, um, just took me a while to get going. About halfway through, I started feeling better and picked it up a little bit. And then second moto, rode pretty good. I sit in the top 10 for 30 minutes. And then for two laps to go, I made a few mistakes. Let a couple guys by, but, you know, I can't really be mad about it with just a couple of days prep on the bike, you know, and and, uh, and that track, dude, it was, like, brutal. So, yeah. uh, obviously want to do better, but uh, I, I, can, I can live with, with what I did. For sure, and, and, and I think that uh, the later rounds that you're going to do, you got two more uh, to go. Bud's Creek, which uh, very very well could be the last Bud's Creek that we race for some time, unless they bring the series back there. I think this uh, they're going to go away from that event for a short period and bring in uh, a race. Really? Or, yeah, I think Morgantown. Where did you hear that? Uh, I think that just a little bit of buzz around. Uh, I've been talking to it with uh, a couple of other media guys, uh, some guys from over at Vital MX and uh, uh, Steve at Pulp, just kind of like hinting at uh, um, some changes to the series. And maybe like I- I've heard that uh, the owner of Bud's Creek sometimes a little bit not so great. And it's not easy to work with. And I know that uh, English Town uh, in uh, in West Virginia is uh, getting basically a full overhaul right around now. And uh, I think that uh, there's a uh, a particular individual at the helm over at MX Sports that would love to see a race come back to Englishtown. So I think that's where it's uh, what's going to happen. So. Englishtown. Yes. Englishtown, the only one I know of is in New Jersey. Is it New Jersey? Oh, maybe that's the case. Yeah, New Jersey maybe. Okay. Because the only other track, photo track in West Virginia that would be national worthy was uh, Steel City and it's gone. Right. I think. Yeah, so, I think that, 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 that and that, uh, that's a bummer. You you probably raced there a couple times. Yeah, a lot. I love Steel City, man. That that place is great. I I hate that it went away, but. Well, that's the case with a lot of more cross tracks these days, uh, Ryan. Like uh, you stick around long enough, and you really start to see 
uh, a change in the the, the the escape of things and like the just like the the places that we used to call home as far as racetracks like they get uh, overtaken by whether it be urban sprawl or just uh, things started to move closer to those racetracks where uh, they're not not happy with the the noise and to me it's music but to some people it's noise so uh, yeah it's it's a bummer that we see see more and more of that all the time that uh, things are start they kind of go away a little bit. I know, I know it's the same way back home. There used to be, you could go to a prep practice three times a week if you wanted during the week, you know, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and now there's not even one you can go to. So, yeah. and there's not that many tracks even on the weekend. So, yeah, definitely a bummer, man. Like, you couldn't grow up like I did, you know, in Kentucky all the time and and be awesome. You know, yeah. now it's why all these dudes got to go to training you know, training facilities and all this crap, like, I don't know. That ain't the way, that ain't the way I ever want, would want to, would have wanted to do it. I like the way I did it, but. For sure. Anyway, uh, I guess that's the way it works. Yeah, for for most people, it's just completely impractical, unless your parents get, like, a, a three or four week uh, vacation slot somewhere along the year where you can go down and, and preferably in the wintertime where you can go down and enjoy the weather down in Texas or Florida or wherever you happen to go. It's just, it's not something that a lot of riders are able to do. And uh, locally, we used like every single track that was sanctioned for the most part, uh, they wouldn't do like a full prep, but they would like, at least like kind of groom th- some things up and they would just leave the track, no lock on the gate, leave your 10 bucks or whoever much it was uh, to ride at any particular day and uh, on a Saturday morning dad would shake me out of bed at six o'clock in the morning and we'd go ride till noon or whatever and um you'd get your two hours on a motorcycle whereas now like now it like to to ride any particular sanctioned tracks it seems like it has to be uh like a specific practice day and the the track is groomed and and the whole nine yards and like and x number of people come out which is it's good that people come out but like I I have like dozens and dozens of pictures of me at a local practice track, no one around, just me and my dad at the track. We'd get there stupidly early and we'd be done running by 11, 12 o'clock. And, uh, that's where I got my, the, my, the bulk of my time on two wheels. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's things changing, man. Yeah. I guess they've been changing a while, but uh, yeah, it sucks, but I guess that's the way it goes. Absolutely, but uh, getting back to your uh, your results a little bit, and I know you want always, we always want to be doing better. We like uh, as soon as you have some, some success, you want to get back to that. But uh, keeping in mind that uh, you, as a as a but basically a full time woods rider now, competing in the GNCC, uh, and you haven't forgot how to go fast on a motocross track. That is for damn sure. But uh, like just the the intensity and the this the way the the riding happens like you know it's, it's totally different i think and like you i think you experienced the exact same thing going the other way to gncc like you go out and you're like oh yeah i got all this intensity i'll put uh like a, a five second gap on them by the time i get to the trees but then in the trees they put a minute on me uh, so like you know what i mean whereas now uh you're used to like a little more of a pacing myself dissect the, the, the course, whether it be a motocross track or a, or a GNC C track. And, um, that's not how, uh, that's not how 250 riders, uh, race a national. They just pin it, go for it. And, uh, and figure that out. Let's figure the rest out later. Yeah. Yeah. The pace is, is crazy. Um, and, and that's what you don't get in the woods. You can't ride that intensity, but, um, I've actually worked on it. Some. I just, you know, 
not having the bike to, to ride and that suspension setting and that was a little tough, but we worked on it all day. The team was awesome with helping me with it and, you know, like making every change you made was positive. So that's always a productive day, you know, because there, there are a lot of days where you chase it all day and you get nothing. So um, that was good. And, uh, yeah, that pace for me is just something you gotta, you got to figure out. You know, you got to be, like, on the edge from the drop of the gate, you know. As soon as you go over it, you're out of control. Not out of control, you know, but at a hundred, you know, hundred one percent of your ability. So that part uh, can be a little tough, but uh, I'm just excited to now that got Red Bud out of the way. I mean, that's never it's a it's a fun track, but I've never been like super awesome there. Mm-hmm. So Hudson uh, Creek and Ironman, I've been better at. So I'm looking forward to. Uh, getting more time on that bike and like actually putting some hours in on the moto track on that bike and do some intensity work and, and see if I can't still get good starts, you know, but then run in the top 10, finish in the top 10. That'd be cool. Um, that'd be fun to do, to do, uh, at this stage, you know, where I'm at. So. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and putting in those moto scores in and amongst, uh, guys that are doing this full time, they're a hunt, their full focus is going fast on two wheels, uh, on a 250F motocross wise. So when, when you're able to, uh, step into that realm, uh, on, uh, less practice, less, uh, experience, I don't know, maybe less experience, but less, uh, uh, recent practice, I, I think that's something to be said on, uh, just, just your, your ability. And, uh, um, you seem to be having fun with it, man. That, and that's kind of the most important thing. Yeah, I'm having fun. It's it's a lot of work, man. Like I'm more busy than I've ever been, uh, probably just with uh, just with like the kind of race something different almost every weekend, and yeah, I build all right. my own bikes. Of course, for for Red Bud, I did build that bike, but every other bike I've raced this year, I've had to build it, and uh, so it's like you're building something different every weekend. You're riding something different every weekend. And, uh, it, it's been fun, but man, it's been busy. You know, you got to spend so many hours at the shop working on stuff and, uh, that, that doesn't include your training and rides and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it is fun. It's just, just busy, but that's, that's all right. Well, I can do it. I might as well do it, you know? For sure. I hear you loud and clear. I'm dealing with a, a full plate myself right now, but no complaints. Busy people get shit done. Um, so yeah, between like, uh, <laughs> Flat track, which is uh, something I don't know if you've ever had, had any experience with that growing up. I know uh, uh, there was another guy who was from Kentucky who used to be really good at flat track and TT stuff. You probably know who I'm talking about. Rest in peace, Nikki. Uh, and uh, so, tell me how you got into that stuff, and maybe like, do, do you like? I don't know. Like, he's a little. He's not that much older than you are. Uh, do you, did you like grow up uh, seeing uh, Nikki Hayden around at all, or, or even uh, do some TT stuff or anything like that? No, um, no, I didn't. I never. I hung out with Nikki a few times, but it was later, like just a few years ago. Okay, and uh, and only really got into that because um, he just he was a super cool dude. Like when I won my first Supercross, he texted. He found my number somehow, and he just wanted to text me, congratulate me. Like he was a super cool dude. And then from there, you know, we 
talked and is like we we always wanted to ride together and it never worked out like every time it would rain or something and uh so now i never really did anything any flat track stuff until late last year i went to the last round of moto america and just as a fan just went and hung out took my dad and uh we just went down and like were just spectators and i didn't realize how cool road racing was that was like some of the coolest racing I've ever seen to just stand there and watch those guys. And so I went over, I knew Josh Hayes a little bit from when we both rode for Yamaha years ago. Right. And I, so I went over and talked to him and he's like, yeah, it's cool. You know, he's like, Hey, uh, JD come over here. And so he, he was motioning to JD beach and that guy came over and started chatting with him. And he lives like an hour and a half away from me. And uh, he's like, yeah, it's cool you're here. He's like, if you ever want to put ride flat track, let me know. All right, cool. So got his number, and a couple weeks later, I'm like, hey, you know, you, uh, I'd be down to ride if you'd like to. Anyway, went down there and rode with him and uh, Roger Hagen and Jake Lewis, Nick McFadden, and uh, fell in love with it, man. I I rode it once, and I wasn't very good at it, but I, I just – couldn't stop riding it was so much fun it was like i learned something every lap and uh then i went back i rode like four times last year and then um coming into this year they were like or the, the last time i rode last year it was like right before new year's uh they said man you're you're like doing pretty decent you should go race you should race a tt because they turn right they got to jump like you would do pretty good i'm like all right i'm down to try it you know and then this whole race a little bit everything schedule kind of came to fruition it was like all right well yeah let's try a flat track it'll be fun i'll get some exposure like it's a whole different audience to to go get in front of and uh i went and checked it out like that was the seventh time i rode flat track so wasn't definitely wasn't uh fully prepared i guess but i just did what i do best and show up and you know hold it wide open and it worked out uh for the most part that the crash in the main um you know, wasn't great, but I qualified fastest and I had some speed, so I'm looking forward to doing another one. I, I think you could probably, like that last sentence and a half there, you could probably apply that to uh, just about every event that you've uh, competed <laughs> on on two wheels, uh, and it would be quite accurate. Um, but uh, yeah, like like completely different disciplines, still two wheels. Was there any particular bad habit that you have from racing uh, motocross that uh, that you had to kind of break by uh, by doing the flat track stuff? And, and was there anything from moto that kind of helped you uh, become like a kind of a, a fish in water when it comes to uh, riding the flat track bike? Yeah, so when I started to learn, like even still, I, JD's a huge help. And uh, he, every time we go, he's like, all right, here's what you got to do. You need to do this a little different. And every time, everything he says, I'm like, man, I want to do that, but it's completely backwards from what I know how to do on, you know, on motocross and all that. It's like, yeah, it's just the way you got to do it. So I'm working on it, you know, like your foot's on the ground and it's all angled out to the side, your toes pointed way out. Like you would never do that on motocross track. If you did, you'd rip your knee off, you know? And, uh, but that's like something I had to learn and the way you sit on the bike and just different things. And, uh, so that, all that stuff was like, I was learning it, but it wasn't, it wasn't instinct. It wasn't second nature by any means coming into the race. I was still trying to do it all. And then once I fell in the main, it was like, 
I went full moto. I was leg up on the shrouds, <laughs> like ripping around the corners. But the cool thing, and a lot of people, JD and a lot of the guys were like, you were, they were telling me that I was doing lines that like those guys don't do, but it was working because I was outside in on people and I was taking a bunch of different lines and kind of getting out of the main line. I don't know. I was on, you know, autopilot at that point. I just knew I was dead last and I needed to catch up. So I was just going as fast as I could. I forgot everything I learned about flat track and I went full moto, but I really did. I passed like eight dudes in, you know, 12, 12 laps or whatever. So wow, it was like, it was pretty, pretty good. One guy a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and well, I got two guys on the last lap in one corner. <laughs> I was pumped go. on that, but anyway, uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, man. And I still like try to ride once a week if I can, uh, with those guys. And, and uh, and then I'm I'm gonna do the Sturgis, the Buffalo Chip GT at Sturgis in August. So that'll be really fun, I think. Well, there you go. And yeah, like uh, um, I, I think it's kind of a testament to you, a little bit of motocross open mindedness. I'm sure, uh, like any when you're crossing over like that, uh, like someone comes in with some new ideas, and maybe it's not the way that the flat track guy would do something, but uh, uh, maybe those guys need to kind of take a, a little bit of page out of some other books to, to make it work out there, because clearly you were able to uh, twist the throttle, get yourself where you need to be. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things, like whatever works for you. Yeah. You can watch a bunch of dudes, like two dudes that have both done flat track growing up and they still, both of those guys do things a little different. So who says that my way can't, you know, can't be my way of uh, going fast too. So I'm just going to, yeah, just do whatever, whatever feels good, whatever works best for me. That's what I'll do. That's what you do, man. And uh, so it's it, that's working out. And earlier this summer, you had the idea to uh, to race the uh, uh, the 125 Dream Race at uh, I believe it was Muddy Creek, and uh, or maybe it was High Point. Which one was it? Uh, they didn't, they weren't did, actually having. No. Yeah, they weren't actually having the uh, 125 Dream Race. So you're like, well, all right. Well, I got this 125 built up. I guess I'm going to race the. 250 class that was ridiculous yeah. you did it anyway uh as you described it fun and frustrating at the exact same time which is basically a microcosm of what it is to race a 125 tell me how all that all came together yeah that was uh that was one of the deals i bought a 125 at the end of last year i did the one dream race last year and it was cool it was fun got, got a ton of you know press out of it so i'm like yeah i'll buy 125 i'll just do a bunch of them next year and uh then i put my schedule together before the the new you know this year's um 125 schedule came out and it was like well now i can't do any like there were literally none that i could do because i was doing another race on the same weekend as all of them and so like sitting here i got this 125 you know i want to race it i like riding them it's fun and and so I figure, what well, let's let's get people talking. Let's go race it, race it in the 250 class with the big boys. So uh, that was maybe not my smartest idea ever. I mean, from a from a exposure standpoint, it was great, but from a results uh, standpoint, not the best. Uh, it was one of the things that again that that could have been so much better too. I got, I got the bike on the Wednesday before and. Like I had to leave Thursday to get down there, so I rode it like twenty minutes. And if anybody's ever ridden a four stroke and then ridden a two stroke, like you've got to ride them totally oh, yeah. different. Night and day. 
all day I was figuring out like, man, why did, you know, I got to do this different. I got to do this different. So with more time on it, I still believe that I could have been top 20 for sure. If not top 15, um, I just, just wasn't, you know, 25, 21 or whatever. Uh, so I don't know. It was, it was cool. It wasn't that fun. Like it was really frustrating to, to try to, I spent 30 minutes passing one guy in the first photo and it was like, no offense to the guy, but like, I'd never heard of him and <laughs> I don't know if he's ever got points or anything, but it was like foreign to me to be back there battling with those dudes when, you know, that's not normally where I'm at. And, uh, and so anyway, it was just frustrating, but we'll, uh, maybe we'll do it again one day with a little more prep. Well, yeah, and like uh, the the beauty of riding a one twenty five or a two stroke in general is that if you pass anybody and they're on a four stroke, uh, that's the ultimate bragging right. But if uh, if they do pass you, it's like, well, good for you. I was on a four stroke or I, I was on a two stroke. So uh, that it's, it's it's not really something that anyone can uh, like. It's to me, it's a win win situation. Is that you're you're having fun, and if anyone beats you, yeah, big whoop. You're like try like just try to ride this thing for, for, for 35 minutes plus two. Like it's not, it's not going to be, uh, not going to be easy on you, but, uh, yeah, a little bit of prep for these races, uh, would probably go a long way for you there, Ryan, for a guy who, uh, for, says that he's not racing full-time moto still ends up riding more events than certain, uh, factory pros are currently doing. And if you, if you factor in, uh, the, the the straight rhythm and uh, you'll probably race uh, Monster Cup on a Super Mini. Um, yeah, like you 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 race all the time, man. On, on all yeah things. yeah. Well, the lack of preparation isn't for lack of trying. Yes. Um, I I I, try, I always try, but it's like the one twenty five. I didn't get the the bike didn't come back from the engine builder till last minute. Uh, the two fifty F before Red Bud. I don't own a two fifty F, so I had to take. <laughs> A 250 engine, put it in my 350. I didn't have motor suspension. I had to send me that. So, you know, it's one of the things. You just got to do what you can with what you got. So, well, there you go. And uh, so, yeah, and you've also been riding a 350, a 250F, 125. Uh, I think you've also put some time on a 50. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's you're, you're, you're having some fun with it, and that's what matters. Uh, what's the, the schedule look like for you over the next few weeks? I know that uh, you've got some some off-road stuff looking up. And then, uh, I guess, in, the, in about five weeks' time, we'll see you uh, uh, back in Bud's Creek. Yeah. Yeah, so Nick, or this coming weekend, I have uh, uh, Sprint Enduro in Pennsylvania. And then I said, which is cool, uh, especially for the family. I don't get, you know, not home a ton. So to be able to spend some weekends and just hang out and not be stressed all the time, build bikes and training and all that stuff, that'll be good. Uh, August 5th is the. Uh, the uh, Sturgis Flat Track TT, uh, and then I'll do a Sprint Enduro the next weekend, and then Bud's Creek, and then Ironman, and then another Sprint Enduro. So, got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, you do, and uh, and and when you're doing it, you're you're dressed head to toe in Liat, uh, one of the uh, probably, probably flying the flag best for those guys and anybody else in the sport. Uh, how'd you get hooked up with those guys, and uh, how long has that relationship been uh, building and building? Uh, actually, it's head to ankle. I wear garnet boots. 
head to ankle. Okay, there. fair enough. But yeah, uh, other than that, yeah, fully at uh, those guys are awesome. I've been with them. I've uh, been in the neck brace for seems like forever, probably since 2007. Uh, and then when they started coming out with some more stuff, like uh, two years ago, wore the helmet, and uh, you know the, the helmet was good. And, and it's like one of them things where I know how much they put into building their neck brace. Um, into the safety part of it, not just putting the product out there, but actually it, it works. You know, there's science behind it. And so when they come out with the helmet, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. And I've tested it, trust me. It's a good helmet. Uh, you already said I like to crash. So uh, it's a good <laughs> helmet, and then they come out with gear. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to be with them, man. It's, uh, they're cool people and a cool company to work with. The products are great. The, the gear... Um, especially last year and this year, um, everything that, you know, in 2017 or, two, I'm sorry, 2016 was like, uh, you know, can you make this a little different? And then they, they come out and everything, you know, they fix all the little issues. So all the new stuff is, is really good and I'm happy with it. Right on. Well, you're not only uh, flying the flag for them, but also helping them improve their products. So that's pretty cool. Um, last thing before I let you go, and I, you got a long drive ahead of you, so I could probably just keep you on for three straight hours, but I won't do that. Um, this this weekend, or at the last race of your uh, outdoor season, will be uh, at for everybody's. Will be Iron Man. Uh, you'll be on the 250F, but. Uh, um, Someone's already claimed your 125 for the day. They probably uh, ran it by me before they ran it by you. Uh, is James Hansen from uh, Rockstar Energy Drink, as well as Dirt Bikes for President. Um, in comparison from his 125 to your 125, what's the chanceability that it just jumps out of his hands and he's not able to uh, hold on to that uh, powerful, powerful 125? <laughs> well... As long as he doesn't break it, it would be kind of funny to see him loop it out, uh, just to, so I could just laugh and say, yes. say hey, you looped it out. But, uh, now, I mean, the deal is he's got to get top 20. He's been telling me, telling everybody, he's going to get top 20, and then he'll get, like, 21st. So that's, that's just unacceptable. And yep. I don't, if he doesn't get top 20, I don't think we can be friends anymore. So he better, uh, he better start training. Step he's- it up. Ryan Sipes throwing down the gauntlet and a friendship is on the line in Iron Man. Uh, all, everyone will be lining the fences to see how that plays out for James. But uh, Ryan Sipes, it's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. We'll always have you on again because you're a great guest. We like to just uh, bring back uh, random stories from your illustrious career over the years, uh, uh, whether it be uh, the steel-framed, carbureted Suzuki Kawasaki that you uh, raced back in 2005 or uh, uh, that high-strung 125 that you raced Canadian Nationals on. We always love to have you on the show, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I always have a good time here.